I'm Kayla Ogden, and this is Better for the Boy. What's good? I'm doing this again. We'll call this season two of Better for the Boy. Just at the top of the episode, I want to mention that I drop a few F-bombs and talk about S-E-X in this episode. So if you have little ones around who understand words, you might want to pop in those earbuds. So I'm back. It's been a couple of years. I had another kid, a little girl. I was too busy for a while to do anything but wipe butts and throw Cheerios at babies, but now I have a little bit of space in my life again, and I'm here to serve you this podcast, which I've been thinking is kind of like if Carrie Bradshaw had a baby with Christopher Hitchens, and that slightly dazed, chaotic baby was raised by Lorelai Gilmore and Homer Simpson, and then she grew up and made a podcast. Are you intrigued? If so, then listen on, little lamb, for I have a tale to tell, a tale as old as time, about a beautiful queen who talked shit about everybody in her court and was just now sitting around here waiting for her confidants to come drag her off her throne and banish her to the wall. Today I want to talk to you about gossip and slander through the lens of evolutionary psychology because I messed up. I said a bunch of stuff to a bunch of different people in my life, and I regret it so much. I'm going to tell you everything. The drama in my life is recent, so I've been thinking about gossip a lot. On here, in many of the topics that I cover, I relate my experiences back to early humans because, like, think about it. We were primitive hunter-gatherer type folks for like two million years, right? And the public has only had regular access to the internet for like 30 years. And 150 years ago, the telephone was invented. So we've only been living the way that we live right now for a very short ass time. So our bodies and brains evolved to be really good at being hunter-gatherers without any technology except for like a bow and arrow. So I think that a lot of our impulses stem from the conditions that early man lived in. And sometimes we get the urge to act a certain way that doesn't work in our modern times or for our goals. For example, perhaps a 15-year-old boy has the urge to impregnate every young woman whose pheromones waft past his nostrils. Yet nowadays, there are human rights and he has a lot of social, emotional, health, and educational concerns to take into account before he has sex. Is my urge to gossip and talk shit somehow similar to this? Is gossip helpful in modern life, or was there a purpose in hunter-gatherer communities for which the impulse still just kicks around in my brain? Most grown-ass people are careful about what they say. They pride themselves on keeping a secret, and I respect the pants off of those people. But I've never really been like that. Once, a good friend of mine, we'll call her Regina, was going through an atrocious breakup. We were in our mid-twenties, and she had been having this kinky summer fling with a super hot, slightly younger man. Coupled with his insane attractiveness was an undeniable, unhinged quality. There was one story in which he filled a whole shopping cart with groceries from Whole Foods and pushed it out the sliding doors without paying. 
Security was on to him, presumably because he had a propensity for shoplifting expensive cheeses, and he had been spotted before. So he just ditched the shopping cart and took off running. But later that day, he went back to Whole Foods and he admitted to security that he had left his keys in that shopping cart. He was like, okay, I won't come back. I won't do it again, but can I just have my keys? And they were like, okay, fine. We'll grab them, whatever. Just wait here. So he's waiting around when he hears sirens and sees a couple of cop cars pulling into the parking lot. So he takes off and he runs down the sidewalk on a hill towards the bay, somehow slipped into an apartment building, seeming to lose the police officers who were huffing on his tail. He ran through the lobby in the hall, and when he emerged from the building's exit, there a cop laid him wait. So what do you think he did now? That's right. He punched that officer in the face and kept running down toward the water, running through intersections, over the train tracks, through a mess of thorny blackberry bushes. And when he got to the bay, he dove in and started swimming, eventually ending up at this dock. So he climbs out of the water, soaked and chilled to the bone, and he was met by the officers strolling down the wooden boards toward him. The first time I heard that story wasn't through Regina, my friend, but it was because I was working at a sports bar at the time in that same neighborhood, and a group of cops came in, and I overheard them laughing and joking about this dumbass who had come back to the scene of the crime to get his keys that day, and how he had punched their friend in the face. Little did they know that that dumbass's girlfriend's friend was an earshot, right? Like, people talk. Word gets around. By the time Regina called me to tell me, I already knew a lot of the details. So this guy was unpredictable, kind of reckless. Once I went over to her apartment to meet up for a hang, and he opened the door, naked, laughing, trying to give me a hug, and they wanted me to take part in some kind of chat roulette situation they had going on, so I excused myself. Anyway, when she tried to end things with this bloke, it got more than a little heated, as you might imagine. He messaged me on Facebook and said that Regina had told him that my boyfriend was super boring and I was only with him because he was going to be successful one day. I read the message more than once. So, she thought my boyfriend was boring. Well, anyone would seem boring next to that kleptomaniac she was fucking. So Regina thought I was like some kind of gold digger? Talk about a long game. I would have to be the most patient gold digger in the history of womankind because this guy I was dating was in a PhD program and he had no money. Okay, I shrugged. It was only natural for her to express her opinions to her intimate partner. I didn't blame her for it one bit, really. He was trying to mess up our friendship and we wouldn't give him the satisfaction. Besides, <laughs> I'm sure I had told my boyfriend all kinds of crazy shit about her and that dude. The point of that story is just to say I've never taken gossip or shit-talking to be an exceptional behavior. Everybody does it, I thought. But lately, I realized that's not true. Adults are careful about what they say. And I've just been immature. Okay, I'm going to pretend like I'm talking to a priest or something and that you're not, in fact, one of the people involved in this mess, which you might be because... The people who are involved in the drama have historically listened to this podcast, so I'm kind of outing myself here. I don't even know if I should post this. Am I just gossiping more? People are out here wanting to keep things on the down low, and here I am on my pod, just like, 
Hey, guess who has a creepy butthole? Edith, my neighbor, my next door neighbor. She told me she's getting ass surgery. Okay, that's not true. My neighbor Edith, uh, she's in her 80s, and she probably hasn't even seen her own butthole. Um, I digress. So here's the story. Bridget was the closest friend to me in a particular social group of mine, and she popped over to my house one afternoon in the middle of the week, sat down on my patio, and asked me if I could keep a secret. Yes, I said, instinctively. When, in this case, like, no, no. Spoiler alert, no. I don't end up keeping that secret. Uh, So she began to divulge that she was having an affair, which I think always sucks, especially in a marriage with a little kid. Bridget was in a sexless marriage, in fact, and she was just having, um, and if she was just having like a normal kind of affair that she was trying to navigate her way out of or something, I would definitely keep that secret. I think it's the fact that, well, the guy was her, is her best friend's husband. And some other whack behavior she's been up to that caused me to revoke that privilege. I didn't know her best friend well, but I had met her a few weeks prior at the birthday party I'd helped throw for Bridget. The best friend was a warm and funny working mom, everything I would expect from a friend of Bridget's. During my conversation with Bridget on the patio, I asked for details with wide eyes, and it was a juicy story. This man, Lucas, worked at an amusement park near where we live. And underneath this amusement park is a large basement with many rooms, okay? So she was going there all the time when their kids were at school and getting plowed while their, sp- while their spouses were busy at work to support their families. So you guys just go down there into these empty rooms and do you just have sex standing up all the time? I asked, unsure about the mechanics. Standing up sex is fun once in a while, sure, but not every day. I might have been missing the point of this conversation. No, he made a little nest for us out of pillows and cushions, she said. I don't know where he got those, actually. I told her that she deserved a sex life, but she was going about it in the absolute worst way, and her life was bound to blow up. But still, I'm ashamed to admit that we laughed about it. We sighed and shook our heads at the unexpectedness of it all. I had known Bridget for a few years, We'd seen each other through some rough days with our kids. She cooked meals for my family when Cassidy was first born, marched with me in protest. We both liked to drink wine and play armchair psychologists, talk about books and our marriages and childhoods late into the night. That day, she took a sip of iced coffee I had offered her, threw her head back, her hair cascading over the back of the patio chair, shining in the California sunlight and said, I guess this is what happens in the suburbs. I told her that sounded like a soundbite for the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Before she left, I managed to tell her that she needed to distance herself from her friend. No more going over to her house for dinner, grabbing her husband's ass in the hallway. No more allowing her friend to confide in her about what she thought was going on in her marriage, which, by the way, wasn't sex with Bridget. It's one thing to betray someone. It's another to pull them closer and closer into your embrace as you do so. A day or so later, when Bridget was wine tasting with our group of friends in Napa, a trip that I had opted out of, she sent me a Facebook message saying that she was grateful for my lack of judgment toward her and that my open-heartedness and love toward her made her stronger, to which I had to break it to her. I said, dude, 
I've thought about it, and I have weird feelings toward you now. It's because it's your best friend that you're doing this to. If you could do this to her, you would destroy me if I stood in the way of you and something that you wanted. It's confusing and it sucks. She was sorry for putting this on me and told me that I could do with the information what I wished. And if I needed to speak to the other women about it, I could. I told her I still loved her and I didn't want to hurt her. So she said I could tell people, right? Basically? Well, then I told everyone. Well, not everyone in our direct friend group, but two important members. I told a sensitive pregnant woman, Rebecca, who is friends with Bridget, obviously, at the playground while our kids climbed the ladder to the tall, curvy slide, and she was astounded. At the end, she told me she understood why I confided in her. I needed someone to talk to to get it off my chest, she reasoned. I nodded without being sure. Can we really justify my behavior like this? Taking a look back, gossip developed, actually, some 30,000 years ago in hunter-gatherer societies when we were living in bands of people about 100, 100 strong. It was advantageous to be able to observe people and tell others about our observations. Say there was a dude called Harry Toe living in our tribe, and I saw him eating all the figs off of a tree, not bringing a single fruit back to share with anyone else and then complaining of stomach trouble and shitting all over the place and taking all the herbs from the shaman. Maybe I'd want to tell everybody what I saw. Or maybe a lady called Snaggletooth was spotted stealing some bison jerky from my baby. I'd be grateful to Zertu for giving me a heads up. Then we could leave those bad eggs behind and be stronger for it as a tribe. Was I telling Rebecca about Bridget's business because I needed to get it off my chest? Or was I trying to warn her that there was a snake among us in the grass to spread the word to keep my community strong? I've wondered about a third motivation. What if I was simply making the conversation exciting? How short-sighted, how shallow would I have to be to just tell my friend's story for shits and giggles? Back to that story. A few nights later, Bridget backed out of party plans, saying that she had a UTI. This was the second time that Bridget canceled plans with our group due to a UTI that she wasn't shy about sharing, and that was just twice in one month. For people listening who don't know, a UTI is a urinary tract infection. At the time, I thought you could get UTIs from a bunch of different things, but I guess it's well known that people, mostly women, get these when they're sexually active. Because bacteria can get close to or inside a woman's urethra during sex because it's all like close together and that causes the UTI. This is why a lot of women go pee after sex to flush out bacteria and lower the risk. So when Bridget came down with her second UTI, our mutual friend Helen was a little confused. Everyone knew that Bridget and her husband hadn't been intimate in years. So Helen and I are texting back and forth, getting ready to go to this party. And Helen says, Another UTI for Bridget, huh? I hope she's enjoying that new booty, exclamation point. I read the message twice. Okay, I thought. So Helen knows about the affair. I responded, OMG, I didn't know she told you about that. How long have you known? I saw those three little dots blinking below the message. Then stop, then blink again, then stop. Wait, what's happening? When I climbed into the Uber next to Helen, we looked at each other and gaped. I didn't know anything, she said. Oh my God, why did you say that? About the new booty. Helen said, it was a joke. I don't know. I don't know why I said that. 
And then I told her everything. The reason Homo sapiens, human beings, have been successful on this planet for like hundreds of thousands of years, while other mammals, including Neanderthals, have gone extinct, is our ability to cooperate in large groups. Some people think the reason why women, historically, have not been the rulers in our societies is because when we get pregnant and bear children, we are severely put out for a long period of time. In ancient days, women needed to rely upon men to help us during this time, primarily to bring us food. When our bodies were engorging and transforming to incubate fetuses inside of us, and then when we gave birth to infants, we had to heal. And also, we had to feed those babies with the milk that we generated ourselves. Like Women literally breastfeed newborns 10 times for 24 hours, day and night. But the truth is, in hunter-gatherer societies, and all societies thereafter, women haven't only sat around waiting for Big Daddy to bring home the bacon. We learned to cooperate with other women for help in this period. This continues today in my life, in my culture. I've bonded with mothers all over the Bay Area, and we've supported each other in our parenting journeys. Like I'm friends with women, like a woman who hasn't read a book since high school. I'm friends with a woman who looks forward to nothing more than her biannual visit to Disneyland. Women from all over the world, many of whom are appalled when I sneak out for a cigarette after a glass of wine. But you know what? We were drawn together by our common instinct to cooperate in motherhood. And here we are. And I love them. Aside from Rebecca and Helen, I didn't tell anybody, except for my husband. And my sister, my therapist, my accountability partner, my neighbor Edith, and anyone else I felt like talking to about it who wasn't on, who was just like sort of on the periphery. I believe it's generally seen as chill to tell unrelated people stories about supporting players in your life. These people don't really know Bridget, so that seemed harmless. Rebecca and Helen only told their husbands, bless them. I know they didn't want me to get in trouble. In Elaine Liu's TED Talk called The Sociology of Gossip, she says, you cannot consume gossip without filtering it through the lens of your own experience. So when someone tells me that my neighbor has a weird butthole, I think to myself, I'm glad I don't have a weird one. And when they go on to tell me she's getting plastic surgery for it, I think, I would never get plastic surgery for that. And my friend says, wouldn't that money be better spent towards solar panels on her house? Elaine Liu went on to say, in filtering gossip through the prism of our own experience, what inevitably comes out the other side is a pretty definitive declaration about what we believe, what we expect, what we reject, and how we process. Gossip allows us to communicate a behavioral code to others. Gossip allows us to set a standard of conduct. This makes a lot of sense to me. I've always been interested in ethics, and when I told my friends about Bridget's destructive behavior, I was clocking their reactions. My, pa my pregnant friend, Rebecca's reaction at the playground was one of explosive body gestures displaying shock and maybe a little amusement, but I think the laughter was just nerves. Helen, the one who recognized the UTIs as a sign of sexual activity, was more guarded, examining each sentence as it came out of my mouth, rationalizing Bridget's behavior and casting her in the most favorable light. It wasn't until I dropped the bomb that Bridget's lover is her best friend's husband that Helen couldn't keep it up. This was an unforgivable break in our social code. She shook her head, real dis disappointment in her eyes, saying, Damn, damn it, Bridget. Why'd you have to go there? What the fuck? 
Invariably, in both cases, the underlying conversation was about moral nuances, what we could relate to, what we would never do, and what was inexcusable. In doing this, we were writing our social code. Because my spilling the beans to Helen was basically a mistake, we didn't have to do the hard work of justifying my behavior. So I think if I'm going to spill secrets or shit talk to someone in the future, someone who is actually a decent friend, unlike Bridget, maybe I should take a sec to think to myself, do I want this person to be part of my society, like my little hundred person band, my crew? If I'm spreading around sensitive information about a person that I actually like, that I really do fuck with, then why would I want to cast any shadows on them whatsoever? It's better to keep my mouth shut so that everyone can continue to relate to that woman on our own terms. This might sound like super obvious to you and you've probably already grown into that mindset. I think I'm a little bit of a late bloomer on this. What about talking uh, to someone outside of the circle about this decent friend? Well, our networks are powerful. I'm discounting a possible future merger of friendship and growth. Wouldn't the absolute dream be for all of our disparate friend groups to come together in perfect fun and upward motion? But sometimes I think gossiping with someone can build a bond. It can be enlightening to learn how someone else's views the situation. And it can be really entertaining, to be honest. My conclusion, however, is that if the information is about somebody cool, then it's not worth the momentary gratification of seeing my friend's mouth drop open in a startled guffaw and to bond over our mutual certainty that we would never break the social code like that. Somebody could get seriously hurt. What about gossiping about a person that is so outside of your circle that you'll never meet them, like an athlete or actor or politician? Uh, Go for it. Gossiping about those people is a harmless diversion that allows us to inspect our own values, psychology, fashion, and relationships. It had been a couple months since Bridget had told me the story. Since that time, I had witnessed her posting photos on her Facebook page of herself with Lucas and her husband and her best friend and their children on holiday together. Not only was she having sex with Lucas, but she was doing it on holiday with his wife and her own husband. It wasn't a polyamory swinger situation either. These posts disgusted me. Why was she doing this? She had said that Lucas and the best friend's son looked a lot like Lucas. Bridget used to think that the child was a brat, but now found him really charming due to the shared looks with his dad. That kid's going to hate you, I said. And that's when I realized I had been that kid when I was little. My family had been on holiday with a Bridget, too, before our lives fell apart. It was all feeling really the same. Bridget had told a few people herself, including our friends Naomi and Tyra, who messaged me saying, things have gotten out of control with Bridget. We're having an intervention for her tonight. Do you want to come? And I was like, no, thanks. I was avoiding Bridget, scared of being confronted about airing her dirty laundry all over town. As it turned out, Naomi had been embarrassed by Bridget on a couple of recent occasions. Once Bridget told Naomi's son's teacher that Naomi wasn't as prim and proper as she appeared and got into all kinds of trouble on the weekends, which was a weird thing to say, especially to a preschool teacher. Another time, Bridget told her own husband that she was doing mushrooms with Naomi at a hotel. That's why she, Bridget, wasn't home, when in reality, I guess she was with other men at that hotel. 
and Naomi was somewhere totally else doing her amazing above-board Naomi stuff. So Naomi was going to do this intervention for Bridget about her destructive behavior and also to tell her that she needed to stop talking about her when she wasn't around. And for some reason, I said to Naomi, want more ammo? Why? Why did I say that? Fuck, 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 fuck. Naomi was like, oh God, what is she saying now? And then I said... Well, Bridget did say she thinks you might be cheating on Mick. This is something Bridget had said to me when she was discussing who else in the group she might tell. She thought Naomi might be sympathetic because she was probably cheating on her husband too. Naomi was aghast. She said she would never cheat on Mick, and if she did, he would be the first to know. She was devastated, really, by Bridget's treatment of her, asking me, aren't we supposed to be a sisterhood? I think I was mad at Bridget for coming into my life and getting so close. You know how Nietzsche said, I'm not upset that you lied to me. I'm upset that from now on, I can't believe you. It's kind of like that, only it's, I'm not upset that you told me your secret. I'm upset that I can't believe in you anymore. I thought I had a good friend, but it's impossible to watch you do this to another woman and not put myself in her shoes. Someone has been taken away from me who never really existed. I'm upset that you're not who I thought you were. But whose fault is that? Did you tell me you were loyal? Did you tell me that you had a healthy mind? No, I'm not sure you did tell me those things exactly. I just, ex- I just assumed. Maybe I wish someone would have told me some enlightening gossip about Bridget before I let her get so close to me. From there, Naomi and Bridget's friendship exploded in a fire of tears, harsh words, and raised voices after the kids had gone to sleep at Tyra's house. I don't know what's going on with Bridget now exactly. She still comes to events in our group sometimes, although I predict those will be fewer and further between. I don't know if she knows that I've told people, but she will probably listen to this when it airs. Although this juicy story kept our chins wagging around her for several months, it really did put me in a bad spot. Though I can justify the gossiping all I want, at the end of the day, it all kind of hurts. So take from my problems and my mistakes what you will and don't fuck with the sisterhood. This has been Better for the Boy. (laughs) 